So what we think, what we believe about heaven is very important, very important, right? It's very important that we have a good understanding of what the Bible says about heaven. But the problem is, is that many of us, especially in our world today, many of us in the church, we might have an understanding of heaven that is based on half-truths that prevents us from having a real understanding of what heaven is. Uh, So what do you think about when you think about heaven, right? I think we all have a picture in our minds when you say, what do you, what do you know about heaven? What do you think about heaven? You guys probably have something that, that comes to mind. Do you guys have a picture of a city in the clouds? Maybe, right? That's a very common uh, idea. There's a, a place in the clouds somewhere in the sky where there's a wild city, there's a gate, maybe uh, a guy in a robe there, maybe it's St. Peter, maybe it's somebody else, and they're manning a a reception desk, right? (laughs) And you've got to check in with the reception desk when you die to go in to heaven. That's a very common understanding of what heaven is. Another understanding of heaven could be that, right, when when we get there, when, when people get to heaven after they die, they wear white robes and they have feathers or, you know, they've got wings on their back. They become like angels, right? And they, 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 they play harps. Maybe if you grew up in the church, you have an understanding of heaven as uh, an unending eternal church service, right? Pastors say that uh, we're going to be worshiping God in heaven, and, and that is certainly true, that we'll be there with, with Christ worshiping him. And so we have a picture in our minds that eternity, time without end, is a church service, right? And to some of us, that is a very, uh, uh, could be a joyful thing. That could be a very terrifying or boring thing to many people, right? Is that it's a church service without end. Uh, That is uh, maybe not a a very biblical idea of what heaven is. But the problem again is that that is very common. These are very common things that when we think about heaven, that's what we think about. So we really need to have a, a biblical understanding of what Uh, uh, heaven is. And the the Bible does provide some glimpse into what heaven will be like, right? And the Bible does speak of two heavens, and it provides us more of a glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth than it does of heaven today, right? The Bible says that when we die, we are going to be with Christ. And certainly that will be in heaven because that's where Jesus is. But the Bible speaks most about heaven as the new heavens and the new earth. So let's, let's dive in to think about what the Bible says about heaven. And of course, in the, in the Old Testament, the heaven is brought up in the very first verse, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's, it's this idea in, in Genesis 1 that he's speaking about uh, uh, the heavens where, where God is. No, it isn't. In Genesis 1, he's, the author is speaking about uh, heaven as the place where the birds go. Right? The heaven is the place where the birds fly, where the, where, the, uh, where the clouds move through the air. That's the meaning of heaven in Genesis 1. Right? The, the author of Genesis talks about heavens as an expanse. If you look in your Bible, Genesis, this is Genesis 1.8. And God, God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and morning the second day. Right? So the God is creating in Genesis these, these layers. Right? That there's earth below and heavens above. Right? Heavens as this great expanse. So in, in, in a way, the Bible, when it mentions heaven, it talks about heavens as an expanse. It's where the clouds are. It's where the birds fly. Heaven is a created space. Right? Heaven is a space that was created. 
The, the Old Testament word for heaven is shemayim, shemayim. It's a word that's used over 400 times in the Old Testament. The, so the, the idea of the heavens is a, a, a very broad uh, uh, idea in the, in the Old Testament and in the, and in the New Testament. And it has uh, connotations for things that are very physical, things that we understand, right? The atmosphere, the sky, celestial bodies. Those are ways that the Bible refers to heaven. Bible also refers to heaven as God's space. So we're seeing here in Genesis 1, we're seeing uh, uh, the heavens used to describe physical space that we understand as the atmosphere or as the sky, right? The place where the birds fly, the place where the clouds move. Shemayim, heaven, is also used to refer to celestial bodies. Look in uh, Psalm 8. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be going through a bunch of different scriptures. So Psalm 8. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who has displayed your splendor above the heavens. Then in verse 3, uh, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. And then over in Psalm uh, 19, you're probably familiar with this psalm. The heavens are, de- are detailing of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Right? So heavens can refer to, to celestial bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, galaxies, universes. The authors of, of the scripture referred to heavens as those things as well. Right? Where God has put the sun, the stars, and the moons, those are also heavens in the Bible. Right? So the, 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 the word heaven means atmosphere, things that we can see and touch and understand um, in, in close proximity to us, but also into far proximity to us. And those heavens speak to us, right? The heavens are telling the glory of God, right? That God is communicating his glory to us through those things. Heaven is also God's storehouse. It's where God provides for the needs of the earth. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, you guys, we're going to be flipping through a lot of scriptures. In Deuteronomy 28, 12, it says, The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in, this, in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Right? God is going to give from heaven to earth. Right? That God is giving to us the things that we need from heaven down to the earth. Right, so the 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 rain, the hail, the snow, uh, the manna that that God provides from heaven to the people of Israel, those things all come down from heaven, from God's storehouse. Right, so that's the picture again in the Old Testament that the heavens are a place where God provides for the earth, and so heaven, in every sense of the word that we've been discussing, is uh, uh, a created space. Right, it's a space that that God created. And it does not, uh, therefore, contain who God is, right? Heaven does not contain who he is. He's bigger than heaven. Um, but it shows uh, that God has no limits, right? That there's, when we think about the heavens above, the, the, the atmosphere, the sky, the celestial bodies, the galaxies, those do not contain him, right? God, heaven is a place that God chooses to dwell, but it does not contain him. It is a created space, and there will be a time when this present heaven no longer continues to exist. Um, but it is a place 
where God chooses to dwell. So again, heaven, very physical, real reality, but it's also a space where God chooses to dwell. Let's look again in the book of Psalms, Psalm 2. This is a, a, a psalm of David, or that's not a psalm of David, but it's a psalm where it's contrasting the, the, the rule of God versus the rule of uh, kings on, uh, rule of, of kings on the earth. And it's got a, a picture of God that I want us uh, to see this morning. So this is Psalm 2, verse 4. It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, right? So it's saying in heaven, right? God is sitting there. God is sitting in, in the heavens. In Deuteronomy, again, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy 4, verse, 30, uh, verse 39. It says, Know therefore today, again, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below, there is no other. In Deuteronomy 26, 15, it says, Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel, and on the ground which you, thou hast given a land flowing with milk and honey, if you have sworn to your fathers. So the, this is also an understanding of heaven in the scriptures, that the heaven is God's dwelling place. It says that the heavens are his holy habitation. It's a place where God sits on his throne and looks down upon the earth, right? This is also a picture of heaven, right? That God is enthroned in heaven. He sits and is enthroned there. Uh, in Psalm 11, it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in the heavens. So when we think about heaven, we're thinking about where God is, where God sits enthroned over all things. It's, it's understanding God's transcendence, right? That, that God is above us, that, that, that he presides and lords over all things as, as its creator. Psalm 66, right? The, uh, not Psalm, but in Isaiah, right? We have a picture of Isaiah uh, meeting, uh, seeing God in heaven in um, Isaiah chapter 6. But in Isaiah 66, there's the Lord speaking. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you can build for me? Right? There's the heavens are where God chooses to be. It's, it's where he says that he is, but they do not contain him. Right? There's, because there's nothing that can contain God. It's the place where, where God rules from. His rule stretches from heaven all the way down to the earth. So if you're reading in, in the Old Testament, you'll see that uh, uh, God is sitting on his throne and he'll say, the earth, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Right? So you get a picture that God rules all things. Though he sits in heaven, his rule extends down to the earth. So the Old Testament uses heaven in a very broad way. Right? It refers to things that we can see and understand, but also as a way to refer to heaven as God's space, as the place where God chooses to dwell. And this idea is continued into the New Testament. Right? And so this is brought, uh, as we get into the New Testament, and especially into the teaching of Jesus. Right? This expands and grows our understanding of heaven. Right? Jesus does speak about heaven quite a bit. The, the Greek word for heaven is 
Oranos. That's a shame to my Greek teacher many years ago. Oranos. And this is used uh, uh, just like the, the, the way the Old Testament uses the word Shemayim, right? In Luke 10, it talks about uh, the heavens are referred to as the sky. In Hebrews 11, the, the uh, heaven is used to refer to, uh, to the stars above, right? So it carries over some of those Old Testament understandings of heaven, and those are used in the New Testament. But again, in the teaching of Jesus, the concepts of heaven take on a transcendent focus, but also a very personal focus, right? So when Jesus speaks about heaven, what does he say? They think about um, the, the, uh, the Lord's prayer, right? And he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, right? So heaven, again, is a big space. It refers to a lot of different things in the Bible, but it's also where our Father is, when we pray our Father who art in heaven. The, when you're reading in, in the Gospels, you're going to see a phrase, uh, heaven and earth, used a lot. Those, those are uh, ideas that are tied together in the scripture. And it's a way to refer to all of creation, right? And so Jesus says, uh, the heavens and the earth will pass away. Or that he will speak of, uh, that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, right? So places that we understand, of course, here on earth, and far expanses above, the atmosphere, the sun, moon, and stars. He is the Lord of both of those places, right? That Jesus rules over both of those things. So that is one way that, that Jesus will speak about heaven. He'll speak about it as things that are beside or contrasted to the earth. So as a way to, to show, uh, show the contrast, the difference between heaven and earth. He'll say, make no, earth, make no oath either by heaven or by earth, right? So do not swear by heaven or by earth. Uh, or he'll say, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us, you know, uh, 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 that you will, what does it say? Matthew chapter six. Um, on earth as it is in heaven, right? That these two things um, uh, that, you should, that you should not swear by. Um, those, that, that is the, the contrast used when referring to heaven and to earth. The Old New Testament, of course, ultimately speaks of heaven as God's throne. Heaven is the place where God is. It's the place where he dwells. So again, as we read in, in Matthew, right, our Father who is in heaven. Another example is in, is in the, the, the book of Acts. Stephen is, a, is an early um, disciple in the church, and he basically has a job in Acts 7 to clean tables, right? He desired to serve the needs of the church. And Stephen is stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. And at the end of his life, he sees a vision of heaven. Let's, let's look at that. This is in Acts chapter 7, verse 55 and 56. So he's giving a defense for his belief. And he says in uh, Acts chapter 7, but being full of the Holy Spirit, this is Acts seven fifty-five. but being full of the Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Right, the heaven is, uh, heaven is where God dwells. It's where his glory is. That's where Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. Right, so we see again that heaven is the place where God chooses to dwell. It is his space. It's where his glory is and that's where Jesus is. Another theme that you think that you can research and, and look up when you're studying the scriptures, 
um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the places where heaven and earth intersect, right? We believe, right, through sin, right, we've been separated from God, right? We were kicked out of the Garden of Eden uh, as, as people because of sin. We've been separated from God, but throughout the story of the scriptures is heaven invading the earth, heaven coming to earth to restore us, to make uh, 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 reconciliation for us. This is the message of the Bible, right? That God is going to uh, restore all things and reconcile all things to bring heaven and earth back together. And that is the ultimate fulfillment of the story of the scriptures, that heaven and earth will be brought back together because that's what God wants for us, right? That we would be restored to him, reconciled through faith in Christ, that we would be restored to him uh, to be with him forever, right? That's the, that's, that's the picture of the scriptures, and that includes heaven, right? That, that heaven and earth would dwell together again. So we see that there's a lot of uh, uh, times where, God, where heaven is coming down to earth, and this is, uh, this is pictured in Jesus, right? That he leaves his throne above in heaven and comes down to earth to live like a person, Literally, the idea in the Gospels is that Jesus is like a tabernacle, right? A tabernacle or a temple is a place where God dwells, right, on the earth, and that he walks among us. Jesus tabernacled among us. This is a piece of heaven that comes down to earth to restore us, to bring us back into, recon to, into reconciled relationship with him, right? That's the picture of heaven coming down to earth. So we see a broad, again, a broad use of the idea of heaven um, in the scriptures. And the idea is that you and I were made for heaven because we're made to be in relationship with God. And we're, we, we are made uh, for, uh, to be in his presence. That's really what heaven is. Heaven is being in the presence of God. Heaven is being in the presence of God. Because again, that's where he is. That's where he chooses to be. And that when we die, we go to be with his presence. We go to be with him. And so that's what the Bible speaks about um, in, 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 our, in the present heaven, in, the, in this present heaven. So let's shift kind of what we're thinking about this biblical theology, roughly is what we've been doing, of, of what the, the Bible says about heaven, to, say, to think about the two heavens that, that the scriptures put for us, right? The very present heaven that exists today and the new heaven and the new earth. So the Bible, the scriptures speak about two heavens. Um, and the, the present heaven is the place where believers go when we die, right? And this heaven is different than the heaven that is coming at the end of time. And so when, when we die, right, this, this present heaven is therefore a transitional period between our life on earth and our future resurrected bodies on the new heaven and the new earth, right? So when we are go to be with Christ when we die, this is what the, this is what the scripture says. The, the scripture never says, when we die, we go to heaven. The scripture never says that. It says, when we die, we go to be with Christ, and Christ is in heaven, right? So when, we, when, we, when our time on earth is done, we as believers go to be with Christ. We go to be with him. So Jesus speaking uh, to the thief on the cross in Luke 23, he says, uh, today you will surely be with me in paradise, right? You will be with me in paradise. In Philippians 1, Paul says that to be away from our bodies is to be present with the Lord, right? So that when, when we're no longer here on the earth, we're present 
with the Lord. Paul, elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, he says that when we're absent from our bodies, or that, that's, excuse me, that's the first, the first verse I mentioned, 2 Corinthians 5.8, that when we're absent from their bodies, we're present with the Lord. In Philippians 1, he says that it's very much better to be away from our bodies and to be present with the Lord, right? We're, we're, we're present with him when we die. So the idea of, of the present heaven, when we, after our time on earth is done, if, we're, if we uh, if we die before the Lord returns, we go to be with Christ. That is the present heaven. The present heaven is that we are going to be with Christ, and that is a joyful thing. That is still heaven, right? That is a picture of heaven to be with him, right? Because the scripture says, right, as we read about in Acts, that that's where God is. God is in heaven. Jesus is there at the right hand, and when we die, we go to be with him, right? That is not Therefore, the picture of the, the final heaven that, that talks about at the end of Revelation, the new heaven and the new earth, right? So the Bible's presenting two different pictures of heaven, the present heaven, or to use the, 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 the theological terms, it's called an intermediate state. But then there's a new heaven, a new earth that is promised to us in Revelation 21. So there's, this, there's a transitional period from our life on earth to being with heaven to being with Jesus in heaven and ultimately awaiting for the resurrection from the dead to be uh, restored, uh, to have our physical bodies restored in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, there are some who believe that there is a period for, for us after we die called soul sleep, right? Or we go into an unconscious state after we die that there's absolutely nothing, right? There's, there's, that is a, a belief that people have, maybe even people in the church, that when we die, we go to uh, just a period of sleep waiting for the resurrection of the dead. That's not true, right? When we die, we go to be with Christ in heaven, right? There's, there's no period where, where we will be asleep, right? The, the, uh, the New Testament does t- speak about people who are asleep, but that's a euphemism for saying that they've died, right? At the end of Acts, it says that when, when he had died, he had fallen asleep. Stephen had been stoned to death. He's dead, right? So there's, there's no period of our existence when we die where we will be unconscious or, or, or asleep waiting for the resurrection. The Bible's clear that when we die, we will be with Christ. We will be with Christ. And that is surely in heaven, but it's not the heaven that is described in Revelation uh, 20, 21 and 22, right? This is in the new heavens and the new earth. So that there's a broad... Um, uh, uh, picture is painted more of this new heavens and the new earth. We have a better picture of what that looks like from the scriptures than we do of, of what the present heaven is. There isn't a lot said about that in the scriptures, but it does again say, I want to emphasize this again and again, that when we die, we go to be with Christ. We go to be with him when, we're, when we die. But know that the present heaven is a temporary place. The present heaven is a temporary place. The present heaven and the present earth where we exist today will pass away. It will one day end. And at the end of all things, when, when Christ comes back, uh, when our bodies are restored, right? And resurrection bodies, the new heaven and the new earth, those old things have passed away. Scripture says that new things have come, right? So the present heaven, the present earth will one day pass away, but those uh, 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 that will be replaced by the new heaven and the new earth. The present heaven, the heaven that exists today, um, is not our, therefore our final destination. 
our final destination is the new heaven and the new earth. The restoration, again, of God's story of bringing together again the new heavens and the new earth, right? That's the final picture, right? That God would restore all things and that he would dwell with his people uh, and, and we would dwell with him. Just like, again, just like the Garden of Eden, right? This is the, the, the narrative story of scripture, that what was separated, God would restore again. And he's accomplished that in part in Jesus and he will finish that work um, at the end, end of time. So what, is the, what, is the, what does the scripture say about the new heaven and the new earth? So look in Hebrews chapter 11. I love this picture of, of, of heaven. You have your Bible with me. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews 11 is a picture of people who lived by faith. Right? It talks about Moses and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, people who lived their life by faith. And Hebrews 11 says, All these people died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such, such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not, is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Uh, if, uh, Hebrews 12, 22, he says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels. And in Hebrews 13, 14, it says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. So he's, the author of Hebrews is showing that these, these saints who've gone and lived their life by faith are seeking a different country. They're seeking a different, uh, a, a, a different place, and they didn't receive all of that in their life. They didn't receive all of their promises in life, but they, they were seeking a heavenly country. They're seeking a, uh, they were seeking a different place. Um, and this is, uh, again, referring to heaven, right? Referring that uh, seeking a country, a heavenly country. It also, the author of Hebrews calls it a city, right? So heaven, this new heavens and new earth, is referred to as a country and, and to as a city. It's also referred to as a garden in the New Testament. So the picture of the new heavens and the new earth has very physical characteristics, Right? It isn't, uh, uh, when you think of heaven, right, it isn't a disembodied, you know, floaty kind of heaven with wings and, 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 and angels, right? It's a very physical reality, a very physical, real reality in space, right? It's used, and therefore, the, the author of the scripture says it's like a country, it's like a city, it's like a garden, right? And it uses those ways because, of course, those are things that, that we can understand. We can understand, we understand what a country is, what a city is, what a garden is. But that's also a description of what heaven is like. The new heavens and the new earth is like a country. It's like a city. It's like a garden, right? And that is our eternal destiny, right? The heavens, the new heavens and the new earth is first of all, a physical space. It's a physical space that you and I, that is our destiny that we will inhabit a physical space. Your eternity, my eternity, with Christ is physical. It's a physical space. It's not, again, a spiritual place where wings and harps and all those things. It's a physical space. God is going to create again a new heaven 
and a new earth, and that has very physical characteristics. Very physical characteristics. Our eternity is physical. This also is, is a theme that you can think about when you think of the resurrection of the dead. We, of course, don't have time to talk about the resurrection of the dead, but right when Jesus was uh, resurrected from the tomb, he did not have a spiritual body, he had a physical body, right, that could be touched. Jesus ate with the disciples. They touched him, they hugged him, right? You and I have been promised the same thing, that our bodies will one day be resurrected and we will be with Christ, Right? So our f- eternity, therefore, is not just in a physical space, but our bodies are physical. Right? Heaven is a physical space where we have physical bodies that we can touch each other. We can laugh with each other. We can eat with each other. We can enjoy each other's company. Right? Heaven is a real physical space. Again, speaking of the new heavens and the new earth, that the Bible says quite clearly that is a physical space. And that's, again, uh, to to reiterate, this is the message of the scriptures, that God is restoring basically the Garden of Eden, right? God created us for relationship with him, to be with him in the garden, because he wants to walk with us. He wants to be with us. He, He loves us, right? And this is what he's restoring in his work of reconciliation, that heaven and earth would again be reunited and that God would be with us. This is Revelation 21. I've been waiting to read this. Revelation 21, this is the the, the picture of the new heavens and the new earth. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he shall dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eye, and there shall no longer be any death, and there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. Right? Mourning, cries, you know, tears, death, those are all physical things. Right? Those things have all been passed away in the new heaven and earth, but this is a real physical space. A real physical space, this new heaven and the new earth. And the the, the, the focus, again, is that behold, the tabernacle or the presence of God is with men, right? This is what heaven is. Heaven is the space where God chooses to dwell, but it's also the space that he's called us to. He's called us to be with him in heaven, and that is the, the, the picture, the message of the Bible is that you and I, our eternal destiny, is to be in the new heaven and the new earth with Christ in heaven, right? That we will be there together with him. Uh, Randy Alcorn's book about heaven, I found to be very helpful. If, if you want to read it, it's like 700 pages. It's, it's, it's stupid long. Um, but he says, wherever God dwells with his people and sits on his throne would be called heaven. So wherever God is and his people are, where God sits on his throne, that's where heaven is. That's where heaven is. What will life be like on the new heaven? So, right, we, we can't talk about that a whole lot, but the Bible is specific in describing the... the uh, describing New Jerusalem, right? Again, it's described as a garden, as a country, as a city, but this New Jerusalem has very real characteristics that make it very, uh, that paint a picture for us for what heaven is like. Read about it in in Revelation 21, starting in verse 10, right? It, It speaks about a city with foundations and walls and gates. The river of life moves through the city from the tree of life. Right? These are real things that help us understand, get a picture of what heaven is like. And heaven's going to be like this. Right? Heaven can be like this. Is, is that all that heaven's going to be? We don't know. 
I think heaven will surely include this new Jerusalem, but will it be bigger than that? Probably, right? We don't have a, a clear understanding of that, but we know that this is what uh, heaven is like and God has created this space for us to be with us, to be with us. Do you hope to be with Christ forever? Does that fill you with hope and with joy and love today? Because it should, right? That your eternity is meant to be with Christ. I know that that's not always a source of joy and hope for me, but that's what our destiny is. Our destiny is to be with God forever. That's what he wants the most. That's what he's paid the ultimate price for through the death of his son Christ so that you and I can be with God forever. That's what he paid for with his death so that you and I can be reconciled with him in a new heaven and a new earth. God created us for himself. We're created for relationship with God for eternity, to be with him forever. Do you really believe and hope that, you, that that's a hopeful thing for you? Right? Is, it, does that a, is that a source for our hope? Or are we so focused on the things that we have in our life today, the things that are on the earth, that we lose sight of that hope? Really, ultimately, I think that that hope that we have for heaven, that hope to be united with Christ that fills our love and our hope and our joy, fuels us and reprioritizes our life here on the earth because we know that that's temporary. We know that what we have coming is wonderful and glorious. We have a, a small picture of that in, in the Bible and that reprioritizes us to change the way that we live our life. So moving on as, as we finish, I want to help us identify ways that we can build our hope for heaven today. How can we build our hope for heaven today? One of my favorite passages speaking about heaven again in the new heavens and the new earth after the resurrection is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verse 7. It says, this is an angel speaking, let us, re let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, and the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. And he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, do not do that for I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who holds the testimony of Christ, of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So this angel is showing John, right, that at the bride, the church, you and I, I will one day be in heaven with Christ and attending a marriage supper, right, to be a united with Christ. So that Jesus is preparing us as his bride to be adorned in white, right, to attend a feast. And this is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of heaven, that we will be with Christ, adorned as his bride, to be with him forever, and that begins with a feast, right? This, this, this picture of heaven begins with a meal. In Charles Spurgeon's sermon on the, on, on, on the marriage of the, of the Lamb, he says, there will come a time when all of God's redeemed will be saved. There will come a day when all who have died shall be raised again from the tomb, and those who remain alive shall be changed, so that their corruption shall have put on incorruption, and mortality shall have put on immortality. Then will the church, you and I, be perfect and complete. No one member is missing. 
there will be no spot or wrinkle upon her. Then it shall come to pass that Christ will celebrate this marriage supper, which will be the beginning, which will be the bringing of the people of God into the closest and happiest union with Christ, their Lord of glory. That's the picture of heaven, right? That Things that were the things that are, we know on the earth, corruption, death, tears, pain, will be put away. That's what we know about heaven. Those things will be put away because those are former things and that God is making new things. He's making all things new, right? And this is, the, this is what that picture looks like in our first days in heaven, to be adorned in white, to be presented to Christ as a bride, um, as, as a bride on their wedding day and that we will be united with Christ in ways that we cannot understand right now, right? We can only have those things in small tastes. Today, right now, we will have small tastes of that union with Christ, but in heaven, those, those things will be separated. Will we be able to experience that in full? And this is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of heaven and it's beautiful and it should grow our appetite for heaven today. So how can we grow our appetite for this feast to come? How can we grow our appetite this feast to come quickly? Do you know if you're going to heaven when you die, right? Do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? Do you know that when your life ends, that you'll be with Christ, right? God has prepared a way for us to be with him forever, right? Through the, through the death of Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, and when we put our faith in him, we have access to heaven. We become citizens of heaven, as Paul says. And so that we can know right now, am I gonna go to heaven when I die? Am I going to be with Christ when I die? And will I know that at one day when the present heaven and the present earth passes away, my body will be resurrected and I will be with him forever? You can know that. You can know that today. You can know that this is your destiny. But that's a question you have to ask yourself. Am I going to go to heaven when I die? And right, this isn't thinking about uh, heaven as, as the, heaven is not the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is being with Christ being with God, the lover of our soul, right? And I hope that that is an encouraging, hopeful thing for you, right? That not just to be in heaven because heaven's better than hell, but to be with Christ. That's the goal. The goal is to be with Christ, the lover of our soul, to be with him like a bride is with the bridegroom. And we can know that today. We can know that heaven being with Christ is our destiny. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, right? The Father dwells in heaven. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus paid the way personally so that you and I can go to heaven. Heaven can be our destiny. Heaven is our destiny for us who believe. When we know that heaven is our destination, that we will one day be seated at the table at the wedding supper of the Lamb with the lover of our soul, this cannot help but grow our faith and our appetite for heaven. When we know that that's true for us, when we meditate and think about those things, as, as Paul commands us to do, to think about those things, we'll talk about that in a moment, um, that's going to grow our appetite for heaven. That's going to grow our appetite and reprioritize our life. So number one, am I going to go to heaven when I die? Number two, am I placing my treasure in heaven right now? Right? Uh, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, Matthew 6, Jesus talks a lot about heaven in the Sermon on the Mount. He tells the crowd, do not store up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Why does he say that? Right? Why does he say that? That we can lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Right? Because what we do on earth, what we do here now, matters in eternity. That's not only just a line from Gladiator, that is the truth, right? That what we do matters in, e- in eternity. And that how we spend our life matters eternally, right? That in heaven, there are, uh, we will receive treasures, right? That God has, has uh, prepared for us, right? He's prepared for us things to do that matter for eternity, right? And, that, and when we do those things, right, that help lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, I think this passage is Jesus telling us to reprioritize our life, change what is important for you so that it's not focused solely on the things that are on the earth, but things that are in heaven. Reprioritize your life in light of heaven, right? Knowing that eternity is real, that our, our destiny is to be with Christ for those who believe that changes how we live our life today. Heaven matters for us today, right? And you can build that hope by, by reprioritizing our life. So how can we do that? By practicing our faith, right? Are we doing the things that God commanded us to do? Are we making disciples of our nation, of all nations? Are we evangelizing our friends and neighbors? Are we loving our neighbors as ourself, right? These are actions of the kingdom of heaven that have eternal consequences, right? That have eternal uh, ramifications for us and for the world, right? So this, and this understanding of heaven, again, helps us reprioritize our life. It helps us put things into perspective to say, you know what, this thing that I've been pursuing is not really important, ultimately. This career I've been pursuing, this friendship or, or this, this whatever, you know, it, this isn't as important in light of heaven. This is important, serving, serving my neighbors, caring for orphans and widows, caring for, my, caring for my children for the next generation, caring for those who are sick, Right? These are things that have eternal consequences that lay up for us treasures in heaven. Right? This is what the kingdom, th- these, those are kingdom of heaven things. These are things that Jesus prioritized on his life and as he calls us to do them as his disciples. Right? This is the way that we can store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Take stock of our lives. Right? This helps us to reflect regularly that we, we are prioritizing the right things. I mentioned this verse already in passing. It's Colossians chapter 3. I want us to look at it before we're done. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Again, this is a picture of heaven. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is. Where Christ is. So again, we don't have time to speak up all this says about, about heaven. But the command, this is a command. Keep seeking the things above, not things that are on the earth. Right? Know that this earth is not, we know that the earth is not all that there is. But it's so easy for us to focus on those things. It's so easy for us to focus on those things. And Jesus wants us to, right? We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus to love and care for our neighbors, but do that in light of, in, in light of eternity. Lastly, uh, knowing that if we know we're heaven, going to heaven when we die, if we're knowing that we're placing our treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed or rusted over or, or stolen, the third thing is that we can participate 
through the Spirit, little tastes of heaven today. You and I can experience little tastes of heaven today through our participation with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of heaven in your life. That the Holy Spirit dwells within us. This is a taste of heaven in our life today. You can experience little bits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? As we die to ourselves, as we live by the Spirit. When we experience those attributes, right? The fruits of the Spirit, when we begin to see that bore out in our life, those experiences are little tastes of heaven, right? That, that joy, that love that goes beyond all of our all understanding, that compassion, the gentleness, these are little tastes of heaven that we can experience today. So as we die to ourselves and live by, the experience, live by the Spirit, we can experience small appetizers for heaven today. These are things that, all things that we can do Right? Knowing if heaven is our ultimate destination, are we doing things to put our treasures in heaven? Are we reprioritizing our life today in light of our eternity in heaven? And are we experiencing little tastes of heaven through, through uh, the Spirit's work in our life? C.S. Lewis wrote, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main objective of life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. The main objective of my life, right? To not let it get snowed under or or forgotten, right? We're made for a different country, made to be with Christ forever. And he's going to achieve that one day in the new heavens and the new earth, right? When we die, we go to be with Christ, and that is our ultimate destiny to be with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your love for us and that you are pursuing us so that you can be with us forever. God, help us to reprioritize our life, to, 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 to change the things that are important for us in light of eternity. God, we look forward to spending eternity with you, Lord, because that is what our hearts and it's, it's what we need. God, I just pray that you would grow our hope for heaven today in your name. Amen.